This morning I'm going to talk to you about honoring your mother, but I want to, more specifically, I want to talk about the perfect mother. Now, before you get started on me, I know that in this life there is no such thing as far as the way we see it as a perfect mother. We are, none of us are perfect. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. So there is no such thing as a perfect mother in the way we see it. However, even in our sin condition, there is such a thing as a perfect mother in the way that God sees it. Because how many of you know that our ways are not God's ways? I love that video because it brought so much to my mind. It made me think about um, Jesus raising up Mary. The kind of woman that God chose to raise his only begotten son. Don't you know that she had to be perfect for the job? There were some qualities about Mary that had to have stood out to God to make him look down and choose Mary and say, You are the one that will raise my only begotten son. The dearest treasure to my heart. You're going to raise him. And I thought about it. Mary... I'm kind of like Mark. Now, I don't know till we get there and get to ask Jesus, but I'm kind of like Mark Lowry right there. He, he said that he don't believe Jesus knew who he was the second he was born because he set aside all of his greatness and humbled himself. And Philippians tells us that. He humbled himself to the form of a bondservant. And he came in the form of human flesh. And I believe that he laid aside everything and he came so that we, he could be just like us so that we could know him. And I believe that Mary had to teach Jesus many things. I believe Mary had to train Jesus to, to walk. And Mary had to teach Jesus how to talk. And, and it, was, it was Mary's responsibility to raise up God's only son. And I'm kind of like Mark. I would love to know what the teenage years were like. Was he, uh, you know, what, what kind of a teenager was he? Now we know Jesus was perfect and never sinned, so he was not anything like the teenagers that we know. He wasn't like I was as a teenager. But I guarantee you, raising him up as a teenager had to have had some good times in there. There had to have been some interesting things that took place. And I'm, I'm kind of like him. I wish somebody had have been taking notes. Um, but we don't have the teenage years of Jesus' life. This morning I want to start in the book of Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to begin reading in verse 12. And when you get there, if you have the means and are able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? Exodus chapter 20, <clears throat> beginning in, or actually just verse 12 is all we're going to read. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You may be seated. The role of parenting. How many of you know it's a joyful role, but it's a painful role too? I figured I might get a few amens on that this morning. The role of parenting is a joyful role, but it is also a painful role from time to time. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, and you don't have to turn to all these scriptures this morning. Tim will have them for you. The Bible says after sin had came in that God came and told him as a result of sin I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and in pain you shall bring forth children. Now the more I study this the more I believe that God was not telling Mary I'm going to punish you and this is a, a punishment because of what you have done. 
But instead, I believe that actually what God is telling Mary is the result that your sin has caused is going to bring forth this in your life. He says, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. So there's no question that now pain is going to come in pregnancy and birth. But I don't believe that that is all that he's talking about. I believe that when God goes on and he says, in pain you shall bring forth children. I believe what God is saying is this. The book of Ephesians tells us that we are all handed down a sinful nature. That by nature we are children of wrath. By nature we are a rebellious people. By nature we automatically just buck against whatever is right. If it's good for us, we don't want it. If it's bad for us, that's what we want. That is what our natural desire is. That's what has been handed down to us. It is a sinful desire. And I believe that what God is telling Eve right here is because of this sinful, rebellious nature in pain, you're going to bring forth children. In other words, your bringing forth of children is not completed at birth, is it? It's only beginning. Now this pain of conception is over, but now there starts another pain. And that's a pain of having to train and teach and try to help them understand what is good and what is best for them. Anybody, any parent in here ever got a headache from having to try to convince your child that you know what is best for them? I figured we might have a few in here that was that way. I thought we might have a few more than that, but apparently y'all got angels in here for kids. Ha! Yeah, right. Ha! In pain, every single one of you shall bring forth children because of our sinful and rebellious nature. He says here, it's going to be painful. And many of us as parents in here, you've experienced that. You know what that pain feels like when you see your children walking in a direction that you know is not best for them. But sometimes what do you have to do? You have to stand back and watch them walk. And it hurts. It's painful whenever you know what they need, but they just their rebellious nature will not follow it. The scripture teaches us in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, that parents have a primary responsibility from God to teach their children the ways of God. Look what it says. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. He's speaking to parents here. Now go to verse 7. You shall teach them diligently to who? We'll stop right there for just a second. In other words, you have a primary responsibility as a parent to teach the word and the ways of God to your children. This is one of your main responsibilities as a parent and yet for some reason, this is one that we neglect the most. We teach them how to be successful in a world that in two seconds, guess what? It's over. But we put all of our concentration and all of our time into teaching them how to be successful. If they don't do their homework in school, what do you do? You punish them. You discipline them. If, um, if they get in trouble and you think that one day they might get arrested or something, what do you do? You try to whip them. You try to punish them so that they will learn from their mistakes. And yet, it just don't seem to be real important 
as far as how much of God's ways they learn. It sort of takes a back seat to it. You know, it's, if, if our kids, if we get to teach them something about it, then it's fine. If we get them to Sunday school, it's okay. If we don't, no big deal. I mean, we've got to be at work at 7 o'clock on, on Monday through Friday morning, right? We can't miss that. But you know what? Sunday is just not really that big a deal. If we miss it, that's not big a deal. Does is, is that sound like a problem to us? It's a major problem. We, our priorities are upside down. They're way out of whack. And as parents, you know, I got tickled. Anthony, my boss, told me, he said, he said, for some reason, every time I preach a Mother's Day sermon, the mothers walk out of here all adored and dressed, and they, they, we, we just build them up and make them look so good, and then we get on Father's Day. He said, I feel so sorry for fathers. Because we get on Father's Day, and boy, we let them have it from the Word of God, and they walk out of here going, boy, I'm a terrible dad. <laughs> So I thought this morning, I'd just turn it around this morning. I ain't going to make mothers feel like you're terrible, but I'm going to preach you a message that might encourage you to step up. To step up and make what is important important. You have a primary responsibility along with your husband to teach God's ways diligently to your children. And listen to this. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Go to verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Go to verse 9. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. How big a priority is this in the eyes of God? He said there's nothing more important than my ways. There's nothing more important than your rebellious child to be trained up and taught to understand my ways are not their ways. And it is very important that they put aside their ways and line up with my ways. But for some reason, moms and dads, we just can't seem to get this right. And I know the problem. We're rebellious too. We are of a fallen nature as well. But you have a responsibility. You have a stewardship from God that one day you will stand in judgment and you will give an account for something that as of yet, I won't give an account for. As of yet, as raising children, I will not stand in the same line you will and give an account as a father. I won't. Not yet. But you will. If indeed God has blessed you with the gift of children, judgment day is coming and God will call into account all of the stewardships that he has placed on you. I will give a stewardship as a husband and how I have acted in that role as a husband according to his ways. I will give a stewardship as a pastor and how I have acted in the stewardship that he's given me in his ways. I will give an account as a worship leader and how I proclaimed his worship. I will give an account as a Sunday school teacher and how I taught his, his children his ways. I will give an account and you will give an account as being a mother and a father. God created the family to be fruitful and multiply. You remember the command God gave to Adam and Eve? He said... Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now God was, or man was created to be the image of what? Image of God's glory. So when God commanded the image of, God, of His glory to be fruitful and multiply, what was He asking them to fill the earth with? More images of my glory. 
I'm asking you to create more children and then your job as a parent is to teach them and train them in my ways so that they can fill the earth with my glory and with my ways. And they can be, like Jesus said, we are the light of the world. We are a city that is set on a hill. Parents, you have a primary responsibility. And listen, if you came here this morning to, uh, to feel good, and that's good, I think you should leave here. But let me tell you, when we come to church, we are to come here to say, God, I know I'm not who I need to be. But I want to hear this morning what you mean to make me to be. I pray that's the attitude you put on this morning. God, I know I'm not perfect. I know I'm rebellious and fallen, but God, show me your ways so that I can change, and that's my job to you this morning. Parents, you were created to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with the image of his glory. Your primary responsibility as parents is to be a school that instructs and teach, teaches the next generation how to live for God. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 8. My son, hear the what? Instruction of your, mother, of your father and do not forsake. This has the law. Another word for this is the teaching. And do not forsake the teaching of your mother. So here we have two verbs in this. One is to instruct. The other is to teach. So the Bible says that the job of the father and the mother is to instruct and to teach. I see two things taking place right here. I see an outside force going on and an inside force going on. The first, he says, my son, hear the instruction of your father. So I hear, I hear God telling parents, telling children this. Don't close your ears to what your parents are trying to tell you. Don't shut them out. Open your ears and hear the instruction that your parents are trying to teach you. And then he says... Don't forsake the law or the teaching of your mother. Now when he says forsake, I hear an outside force going on. Instruct means at home when they're teaching you listen. Forsake means you don't turn away from it. In other words, when you go out, you remain true to what you have been taught in the school of your parents on how to live for the ways of God. Does that make sense this morning? Don't let me lose you. This is very important. And let me show you why this is very important. Being the image of the glory of God does not come naturally. You know that, right? Let me tell you what does come naturally. Babies, when they're born, the sucking reflex to eat, that comes naturally. You don't really have to teach them how to do that. You just put, a, put, put the little fooler up or the bottle up to them and all of a sudden, that, here they go. Falling down when you or a child is not something you have to learn. It just comes naturally. Your eyelids naturally close the brighter the light gets. It ain't something you have to learn. Those are things that come natural to you. However, falling down, closing your eyes, and a sucking reflex ain't going to get you very far in this life. It ain't going to take you very far. Everything else you have to learn. The moral standards you have to learn. Learning how to talk and the correct way to talk you have to learn. All of the things that you need that are going to take you anywhere in this life and help you fulfill your purpose you have to learn. We learn just about everything from the most basic skills like walking and talking 
to kindness, gratitude. How many of you as parents ever had to tell your children, say thank you. Say thank you. Say bye. Say hello. You teach them greetings. You teach them gratitude. You teach them kindness. You teach them welcomeness. You teach them everything that they need in this walk. It don't come natural. And God has placed this responsibility on you as parents. Not nannies. Not nannies. Not daycares. Not Sunday schools, even though Sunday schools help with the training. But they're not responsible. They won't stand in the judgment line for how your children were raised. Parents will. It is the school at home for teaching the ways of God. But we're not going to stop there. Children also have a role and a responsibility. It's not just parents. Children, you also will give an account according to Exodus chapter 20 on how you honored your mother and your father. Remember, if God designs your mother and father to teach you his ways so that you can learn to live for him, then in the same manner, you are going to give an account to whether you honored their teaching, whether you followed their instruction, or whether you forsook the law that they tried to teach you. Look, if you would, at Exodus chapter 21, verse 15. Let's see how serious God is about this. And he who strikes his father or his mother shall... Hang on, I, gotta get my gla- I didn't get my glasses on. Am I reading that right? He who strikes his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Would you say that God's pretty serious about honoring your mother and father? Well, let's look at another one. Exodus 21, verse 17. And he who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Now, when I was a kid, I cursed my mama one time. I didn't get put to death, but for about five seconds, I wished I was dead. By the time I picked my teeth up out of the floor, yeah, I I might have been a little better off dead at the time. Look at another one. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18 through 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and who when they have chastened him will not heed them, verse 19, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city, to the city of his gate. All right, they're laying hands on him right now. They're going to pray for him, right? And they shall say to the elders of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And then go to verse 21. Then all the men of his city shall stone him to death with stones, so you shall put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now I feel like it's important that I say, Parents, don't try this at home. And I know it says call upon the elders and let them lay hands on them, but don't call me at midnight saying, Brother Kevin, I've done all I can do. We've got to do this. Come get my kid. We've got to take care of this, and we've got to take care of it now. We've done all we can do. Because today we're not under the law. We are under grace. Praise be to God. But this takes us back. The law shows us the moral standard of God. The law shows us how far short we have fallen of what God expects for us to be. And he expects for us to not strike our mother and father. He expects for us to not curse our mother and father. He expects for us to not be a stubborn, rebellious one to our mother and father. And yet that's our nature. 
But it's very important that we see this in our lives. Recognize our sin condition, children, and you learn to honor your mother and father. When your mother tells you no, it ain't for you to say, and that's what you do. Stomp, you get mad, and you, you throw a fit. Well, that's the way kids act. I understand that. But let me tell you something. The way of God that you learned this morning is this. When your mother and father say no, guess what? That's it. No more discussion. No more begging and pleading. It's simply mom and dad want what's best for me. They are designed to teach me the ways of God. And I have a responsibility to honor them because God said so. That is what he has designed me to be. Honor your father and father and your mother. And look at what at the end of that. Notice he gives a promise that your days may be long upon the land. In other words, if that is true, the opposite is also true. If you do not honor your father and mother, guess what? It's very likely your days are not going to be very long upon the earth. Very long you can shorten your life by disobeying this very command right here. Let me speed this thing up just a little bit. No one is exempt from honoring their mother, not even kings. Did y'all hear me? No one is exempt from honoring their mother. Look at 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. This is King Solomon here. And his mother Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for his brother. And the king rose up to meet her and what did he do? bowed down to her. You know why? That's his mother. And his mother deserves his honor. And he bows down to her, but that ain't where he stops. And he sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother, so she sat at his right hand. In other words, not only did she bow, he bow in respect to her, but he also set a throne up beside of his to recognize that without her, I would not be where I am today. Being a king or being 30 or being 40 or being 80 does not exempt you from honoring your mother. We have a role and a responsibility as children to honor our parents because God has said for us and commanded us to honor them. So here's my questions, and i got two quick points, and I'm going to be done this morning. What kind of qualities are necessary to be a perfect mother the way that God sees it? Not the way you see it. What kind of qualities are necessary to be a perfect mother the way that God sees it, not the way you see it. First, the perfect mother is not perfect. Children, listen to me. Your mother's not perfect. Your mother makes mistakes and your mother is, is sinful just like you are. Your mother is rebellious and she deals with the same nature that you deal with. She is not perfect. Other than Christ, God has never chosen nor has there ever been a perfect servant that he has used. Every stewardship that he has given, whether it be prophet, priest, king, father, mother, pastor, teacher, none of them have ever been perfect apart from Jesus Christ. They will make mistakes. But making mistakes does not disqualify you from being a perfect mother in the eyes of God. Let me give you a few examples. Think about uh, Noah. Was Noah successful in his mission? Yeah, he built the ark, saved his family, right? Continued humanity. But all of a sudden he gets off the boat and we find he becomes a drunk. He begins a farmer and he gets drunk. 
And then his kids come in and see him naked, and then they're cursed. <laughs> One of them's cursed for the rest of them. He messed up. He wasn't perfect, was he? But whenever you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and read about Noah, nothing's ever mentioned about his mistake. The only thing that's mentioned is that by faith, he followed God. That's it. You don't hear about his mistakes. God said he was perfect, not because he didn't sin, not because he didn't mess up, but because he trusted me and he followed my path. He did what I told him to do. Mothers, you won't be perfect either. But if you will do what God tells you to do by faith, trusting Him and following Him and raise your child up in His ways, even when you make mistakes, you will still stand in front of judgment and He will look at you and say, Your sin? I don't even remember that. I don't even remember the mistakes you made. I don't even remember the times you messed up so bad as a parent. I don't remember it. But let me tell you what I do remember. I remember that you followed me by faith and that you raised your son and your daughter or whichever the case may be up in my love and in my admonition and you trained them to the best of your ability according to my ways. And that was your responsibility. And because of that, you were perfect in your job. I want you to think about Abraham. He chose Abraham to be the father of his chosen people and yet in 10 specific tests of his faith, Abraham failed more than half of them. Failed. More than half of the test that God gave him, Abraham failed. But he was successful in following God by faith, even though he messed up and told some lies. Even though he messed up and questioned God on some things. Even though he messed up and made mistakes, he followed God by faith and he done what God asked him to do. And because of that, he was successful as a servant. David broke basically all the Ten Commandments, and yet God called him a man after his own heart. <laughs> Somebody explain that one to me. God sees you as a perfect mother, not because of you, that you were flawless and you done everything right. God will see you as a perfect mother because you done the job and you followed him by faith to the best of your ability and you trusted him to supply you with what you needed to train your children and teach your children. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah cried all the time. He tried not to speak God's word. He said, I ain't going to say another word of what you tell me to speak. Then he said, I can't help it. It's like a fire burning in my bones and it's got to come out. He tried not to, but he couldn't. Jonah went AWOL, ended up in a whale motel. But they were perfect in their positions as jobs, not because they didn't make mistakes, but because at the end of the day, they trusted God by faith and they did what they were supposed to do. Jesus, he called some old hot-tempered disciples that whenever people wouldn't respond the way they thought they should, they'd look at Jesus and say, should we command fire to come down and take them out? And Jesus looked at him and said, what in the world are y'all doing? That ain't what we're here for. And yet, even though they made mistakes, they still were perfect in their job and what they did because they trusted God and they followed God. Thomas was a doubter. Mark was a quitter. Peter, I ain't even going to go on Peter. All mothers are servants of God and they've been called to a stewardship to teach their children to be like Christ and display the image of the glory of God. But being perfect is not a quality needed to be a perfect mother. So what makes a perfect mother? Well, to find out, let's look at, God, look at what God looked for when he chose Mary to be the mother of his only son. Luke chapter 1, verse 28 through 30. Look what the message that came to Mary was. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, and what did he call her? 
highly favored one. That right there gives us a clue that for some reason God highly favored Mary. He said highly favored one. She wasn't like everybody else, was she? There was something different about her. He says, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Look at verse 29. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, what was the greeting? Highly favored one, right? And Mary stops and she says, Me? She's troubled at the saying and she considered what manner of greeting this was. She said, I'm highly favored. <laughs> you, must, you must have me mistaken for someone else. There's no way in my life that I could be highly favored. It's not possible. But here we see the first quality that's required in a perfect mother. Humility. Humility. A woman that is humble enough to be able to say, God, without you, I can't do the job. God, without you, I can't bear the pain of raising the child. God, in and of myself, there is nothing that I can do. And God said, that's what I need. I need someone that realizes they can't do it. Because that's who I can pour into. And I can give them the power to do it. It's like telling the lame man to walk. The lame man looks back and says, I can't, I'm lame. But instead, when Jesus spoke, the lame man got up and started walking. You know why? Because he believed. In and of myself, I can't do it. But God can give me the power to do it. Humility. God says a perfect mother is a humble one. Let's look at what Mary said about herself in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 52. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. Look at verse 47. And my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior... For he has regarded what? The lowly state of his maidservant. Here we see the evidence of what God saw in Mary was humility. I'm not strong enough, but he is. I'm not bold enough. I don't have the power, but he does. And God has regarded my lowly state of this maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And look at verse 49. For he who is, who is mighty has done great things. And look at some next two words. For me. You know what I hear Mary saying right here? God who is mighty has done great things for me. For me. I'm not worthy of any of this. How many of you think you deserve your children you've got? They're a gift from God. You have a responsibility to them. Humility is the first step in you becoming the perfect mother to be able to say, God, I have to have you to be able to do this. And you know what that leads you to? Fellowship with believers, studying your word, praying to God. It leads to all the things that make you the perfect mother because you lean completely on Him and not on you. Just because you have milk to be able to nourish them don't make you a perfect mother. Milk ain't going to raise them to be like God. Milk of God's word will. And that's what you need God's power for you to be able to teach them to. Look at um, 
verse 50. And his mercy is on those who fear him. From generation to generation, verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. And in verse 52 is the last one. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and what? Exalted the lowly. Mary was lowly in state. She said, for me? She said, I'm one who fears him and he has exalted the lowly. Mary was humble enough to know I cannot do, do this without you. And then my last point this morning. What makes a perfect mother? Faith. Faith. And if you'll remember from last week or from a few weeks ago, I can't remember when I spoke on faith, but if you'll remember, faith means you fully trust his word, no doubts. If he said it, he means it. It will come to pass. You fully trust his direction or his counsel and you move your life in that direction. You have confidence in his promise and God says he has a great reward for those who are faithful to his call. Faith is what makes a perfect mother. And this is the same thing that makes all of God's servants perfect in their calling. Look at Luke chapter 1 verse 38. And let's see where Mary's faith comes in. Remember the, Holy Spirit, or the angel has just come and told Mary you're going to have a baby as a virgin. Huh? Mary asked the question just like all of you would too. God, exactly how is that going to happen? Something don't sound right about this. I'm going to have a baby as a virgin. How is this going to happen? And the angel says, well, here's what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to come and overshadow you and then you're going to conceive a child in your womb. And then here's Mary's response. Then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now this is amazing to me. An angel, first off, is talking to you. All right, how many of you have had angels standing in front of you, this bright creatures and talking to you? That's number one. He comes in, he says, fear not. You're going to have a baby and it's going to be a virgin birth. How is this going to happen? Oh, well, the Holy, shadow, Holy Spirit's just going to shadow over you and then you're going to conceive. Okay. Okay. Whatever you say. Whatever you say, I believe it. Let it be according to your word. Now that, my friends, is faith. It don't make no sense to us. This is not even possible according to our standards. And yet, whatever you say, okay, I believe you. Faith is what God saw in Mary to make her a perfect mother. Look at Hebrews chapter 11 verse 7. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen. So he hears the word of God, right? There's a warning. He hears the word and he trusts it. You know how I know he trusts it? Because then he so trusted that he moves with godly fear because he heard the word of God. And he moved in the direction that God said move because God told him to prepare an ark and what did he do? He prepared an ark and then he fully trusted and believed in the promise that if he prepares an ark, guess what? Your household will be saved. That's faith. Now let's apply that verse to the mother. Let's read it like this. Keep it up there. By faith, a perfect mother, being divinely warned of giving an account of her stewardship as a mother on judgment day. Did y'all hear me? 
You're going to give an account as a mother and how you taught and trained your, child, your children to the ways of God. So by faith, a perfect mother being divinely warned of giving an account of her stewardship on Judgment Day moved with godly fear because she believed the word of God. And she trusted the direction of God and said, I need to teach my child the Bible. I need to teach my child how to pray. I need to get my child in Sunday school. I need to have my child in as much importance in church as I put in the school system. If my kid can't miss school, guess what? They definitely can't miss church. If my kid can't miss school, they definitely can't miss a night of prayer. They definitely can't miss a night of study. They have to learn this word. And they move in the direction and they train their children in the ways of Christ. And you know why? Because they believe the promise of God that you train a child up in the way they should go and when he is old, he will not depart. You trust the promise of God. And if you will do that, then you will be the perfect mother. Two qualities is all you've got to have. Humility and faith. And you will be a perfect mother. You know, I love reading through Hebrews chapter 11 because nowhere in there do you ever read about their mistakes. You know, Sarah laughed at God. <laughs> Sarah laughed at God when God said, you're going to have a baby at 90 years old, 99 or something, 90, 99. I can't remember how old she was. She was old. You're going to have a baby. You know what? I'm sorry about that. Anybody in here 90... She wasn't old. She wasn't old. She was, a, she was a sweet young lady. Sarah laughed at God whenever he said, you're going to have a baby. And yet you don't read that in the book of Hebrews 11. The only thing you hear is by faith Sarah conceived because she judged him faithful who promised. That's all you read. You don't hear about her mistakes. Moses was a murderer. And yet... In Hebrews, you don't hear about his murder. You only hear, by faith, Moses was a faithful servant and he was perfect in his job. By faith. I don't care about your mistakes, mothers. I don't care what you've done wrong. I don't care how old your children are. If they're still breathing, you still have opportunity to teach them and train them the ways of God. Mothers, Teach and train your children in the ways of Christ to be the image of God in the earth. Do this with all humility, knowing you can do nothing without Him. And by faith, fully trust His word that you will give an account for your stewardship. Fully trust His direction that you will train them in God's ways. And then fully trust His promise that He will save their souls if they turn to Him. Children, Honor your mother. Honor your father. Even when they're not perfect. Even when they make mistakes. Honor your mother and your father because it is the command of God that your years may be long on the earth. The next time you have a stomping fit because mama said no or daddy said no, I want you to stop and go, how many years of my life did I just take off? Because one day, you'll be old enough to make your own decisions. You'll be old enough to decide whether you want to follow the law and the teaching of your mother and father or you want to forsake it. 
But right now, you have a responsibility. Until you leave your mother and father and cleave unto your spouse, you have a responsibility to follow their direction, to follow their orders. And then, even after you leave them, you have a command to honor them, no matter what. They are your mother. They are your father. I'm just going to give a quick invitation this morning. If y'all would, stand. Surely come on and play. And then we're going to, we got just a few roses we're going to hand out for our mothers and we won't have any services tonight. But I don't ever like to um, have a service without some kind of an invitation just to give you opportunity to uh, humble yourself before God for whatever reason you may need. I pray for you mothers and I pray for you fathers and you children. I pray that y'all will learn from the Word of God what your responsibility is. And I pray that with all of your might, you'll trust by faith that He will give you the power and all the ability that you need to do it if you'll follow Him and trust Him.